Hey, son, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Is this heaven? Uh, even better. This is the Inside Heater podcast. All right, so it's been a couple of weeks. This is episode 17 of the Inside Heater podcast. So if you don't know that quote, it's pretty much from Field of Dreams. It's technically supposed to go, is this heaven? And then, no, it's Iowa. But, so, back on August 13th, Thursday, August 13th, we had the Field of Dreams game between the Yankees and the mighty Yankees against the first place White Sox, as Kevin Costner said it in that very awkward um, pregame speech. Did you hear that? Yeah, it was like, yeah, the first place White Sox and the mighty New York Yankees. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was hilarious. I was like, that sucks. Anyway, um, so, you know, we're going to be recapping the Field Dreams game. We're going to be talking about the trade deadline. It's been a couple few weeks since the trade deadline but we're still going to do it and of course the giants are still in fire um mookie betts is going to the il the red sox are on their way on a downward spiral sort of and the yankees are on their way up in terms of standings wise um we'll discuss their team like their very rare weirdly built team and everything on the next on this episode and the braves and the phillies are in fuego where as the mets are metsing Again, even under new ownership. And, you know, we're going to give an update on the rookie of the year. You know, Jonathan India and the Reds. Um, good yes, call. sir. Good call there, Yes, son. sir. My rookie of the year, Jonathan India. Making it happen. Should have bought a lottery ticket that day if I, uh, <laughs> if I knew I was going to be right on that. All right, and it's all coming up next on episode 17 of the Inside Your Podcast. All right, so August 13th, Field of Dreams game. Dude, that game could not have gone any better. Like, the entire beginning from... I'm not sure if you watched the little pre... Like, it's not the pregame, but the thing before the pregame on Fox. Did you watch that at all? Like, we were talking about the 30 years of Field of Dreams. So, no, I went to down to Buffalo Wild Wings and I caught the game. So, I missed the pregame, but I did see the part like, where all the players were coming out of the cornfield and everything. Okay. And that was badass. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. Like, I honestly thought they were just going to go have all the players come out one by one as they call their names. But it was so much better seeing like three three players from each team come out at the same time because that was just so cool because that's like how you'd... You've never seen a movie. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the bus, he's right, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like in the movie, you see like players from every pretty much every team that come out of the out of the cornfields and it was like I got chills watching that dude like Field of Dreams is definitely not and not it's not my top five baseball movies of all time but I just know like that's iconic it's an iconic baseball movie that whether you like it or not and you know it's an iconic movie you know right well see I know it's an iconic movie because I've never seen it but I can still like I've heard the quotes a thousand times and I kind of get the premise of it so that's how you know it's iconic. If like someone who's never even seen it can kind of get a good idea about what we're working with here. I know it's like its significance in the baseball realm, and yeah, it was sick. And no pun intended, it kind of felt like a movie. Just how the game played out, the the opening ceremonies with the guys coming through the corn. Like it, it, this seems like it really kind of hit the the diehard baseball fan while also kind of 
you know, piquing the interest of like the average baseball fan, you know? Yeah, this was actually the highest watched baseball game in 16 years, regular season baseball game in 16 years. I believe it. I 100% believe it. Yeah, because you like people that probably don't watch baseball nowadays, they probably have seen a movie since it came out in like 1988, 1989, one of those two years. And so, you know, it's it's one of those games for nostalgia. So people that don't watch baseball will probably go back just for that. And also, one thing about that movie is like if they showed like a fathers and sons like playing catch together in like on a field like on the actual field itself not the baseball stadium but the field that's where kevin costner was there james earl jones um ray Liotta, all those guys that like so i feel like this movie has a huge connection between generations generations to where people just watch the movie just for the sake i mean watch the game just for the sake of feeling their generations connected well, and staying on that vein, what do you think now about, like, okay, so the movie comes out in, what did you say, 88? Yeah, I think so. So now the generation of kids who grew up on that movie are now either old enough to have their own kids, and maybe their kids are watching the Field of Dreams game that MLB puts on. Do you think that that kind of helps carry the legacy of the movie as well as, like, kind of like you touched on, man, passing baseball down from generation to generation? This kind of, I feel, like, do you think that, am I on the right track there what do you what do you think about that oh yeah for sure it's definitely getting passed on generation generation because this field of dreams is well um it's 1989 i just looked that up right now so it's 1989 but yeah anyway um yeah it's one of those movies that you can connect generations with because some of the better baseball movies in my opinion at least are kind of like too mature you know so i feel like field of dreams is like perfect movie to where if you they, you can watch it pretty much fresh out of the womb you can probably watch it <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> it's, it's not too bad at all like the the better movies like bull durham um major league you know you got to be a certain age to watch those movies well to fully understand it too you know yeah yeah and like field of dreams is just very it's a family-friendly movie really for the for the most part and then you've got iconic people in there like james earl jones and I think it would, you could consider Kevin Costner iconic sort of actor. Oh, he's opinion. a household name, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, but James Earl Jones is definitely like the guy in this movie. Not in this movie, Boy, but like, like, yeah, Darth Vader, Scar from Lion King, uh, all that. Like his yeah. voice. and even then, man, like from a if we, from my perspective as someone who's never seen the movie. Uh, um, <laughs> Just the idea, I guess, of like you go out to this cornfield in the middle of Iowa and play a game of baseball, and it was like we were seeing home run balls getting launched to the corn. It's like I, just the the rarity of it, I guess, or like it's just something I've never seen before. And so I thought that aspect of it was super cool. And like they show like the bullpen cams, or like the bullpens are literally in like a corn field. Like what? It just it, it was super strange, um, but it was something that's so cool, and I'm I'm glad they're. I'm glad they decided, like, hey, it's going to be, like, a yearly thing as opposed to, like, this is a one-and-done. Yeah, I just wish they followed up with, like, a another, like, a team, like, a game between two competitive teams. Let's face it, the Cubs, who knows where the Cubs are going to be next year. Cause, okay, so it, ha- it has been announced that the next game, field union game is going to be between the Reds and the Cubs. Reds are going to be competitive. Cubs most likely are not going to be competitive. So I would have liked to have seen, like, maybe Dodgers and Giants or something like that. Or possibly kind of like place a bet of like a year in advance that we already know the Reds are going to win that game. 
Yeah, we can probably do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead in a year early. I want to go ahead and get my money in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Reds. Same here. I'm gonna say it's gonna be seven to three. Good call. Good call. If you're in. is Andrew Heaney gonna get traded to the uh, to the Cubs and give up all those runs? Wouldn't be surprised. Well, nobody's gonna. He's done. I got to trade for him. He's probably gonna be like a minor league deal because nobody wants him. Or claim off waivers, something like that. Yeah, claim off waivers. <laughs> uh, Non-roster invitee, spring training. Then there it is. And then the clubs literally have nobody to put in the rotation, so they're like, okay, I guess we pick you. Kind of like how the Orioles did Matt Harvey. And it like this, the Field of Dreams game is just gonna so happen to fall on his day in the rotation. <laughs> so Andrew Heaney's gonna be the first guy to pitch in both Field of Dreams games. Calling it. It's gonna be like a home run derby. You know that'd be kind of cool having like a home run derby in the Field of Dreams game. <laughs> I'd be down with that. I'd be down with that. You lose a lot of baseballs for sure. Oh, yeah, but... for sure. Yeah, no, that'd be a cool concept because that's what's kind of, I guess, weird about this whole field of dreams thing. I wish they would have like done the whole series there or something. And I understand why, like logistically, it makes sense. I don't think there's literally anything out there. But yeah, I wish they would have done more like than just a single game. You know? Yeah, they just probably didn't have like. Definitely, they have like five star hotels or anything around there. The players would be willing to stay at. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But okay, let's actually talk about the game now, though. Besides Andrew Heaney sucking, that yes, that was such a good game. Like, if it wasn't for the fact the Yankees have had so many painful losses, that loss would have been really hurtful on me. <laughs> yeah. Because I go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I was um I was gonna say. That game ended, as a baseball fan, that game ended perfectly. As a Yankees fan, obviously it hurts a lot. But I've gotten used to the pain of the Yankees' losses. <laughs> yeah, you are you are not wrong there. We've definitely experienced a few too many this season. I don't know, man. I feel like the game, from a, if I'm like someone who's not a fan of either team, like if I'm just watching this as a baseball fan, I think it was incredible because I think going into the ninth inning, you have you're down what seven three seven four. Yeah, seven seven four. Seven four. Okay, so you're down. The Yankees are down seven four. They get this crazy comeback from the two big boppers and Stand and Judge gets them back in the game. Now they have the lead, and it's like, oh my god, what a, like that alone is like okay, that made the game exciting. We got this great ending to the game. Uh, Hopefully, you're or in my head, I'm hoping that Britain goes out there, shuts him out one, two, three. Unfortunately, that's not what happened, but uh, it was just such an exciting game. And even though we did lose, I like I'm I'm happy. No, I'm not happy. I'm not happy about any loss. <laughs> I, I think it was like an exciting way to end a ball game, though, and it created a special moment for Tim Anderson that I think we're going to see on highlight reels for years to come. Uh, like that's a like. I felt like watching Tim Anderson round the bases. That's a moment in baseball history right there. And so from that aspect, it was kind of cool seeing that. I just wish we would have been on the other side of it. Yeah, you nailed it, man. Like, as a baseball fan, if you have no interest in either team, it's an awesome game. And obviously, as a Yankee fan, we it hurt. But, yeah, as a baseball, if you're just a casual baseball fan, like, I'm assuming, like, a lot of the people that were actually watching on television, they probably like, this is an amazing game. And that's probably what that's probably why the balls reduced again. Oh yeah, it definitely seemed like that. I would say because yeah. like a lot of those balls did, didn't seem like they were squared up, but were still getting out. 
Yeah, it's kind of like how they did in London, where they <laughs> they juiced the balls, and like Tanaka was just giving them bomb after bomb after bomb, and we we're like, okay. <laughs> Wasn't one of the games like 15 or something? It was like, what was the crazy one? Was the first game against the Red Sox? I think it was like 15-14 or something, but... <laughs> yeah, and it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, it was... I'm, I know MLB is trying to like bring in new fans, but that was horrible what they did with the in the UK with the Red Sox and the Yankees because like you set very unrealistic unrealistic expectations. <laughs> well, the problem much... is too that well they, they pump it up so it's like okay now we have these juice balls that are flying all over the place and like for someone who's like just getting into baseball maybe the, like these kind of games these big marquee matchup games. Um, or like these special event games are kind of what draws people into like, oh, hey, I enjoyed this game. Let me go ahead and watch some more baseball. And then they see like real regular season baseball. And it's like, listen, the balls do not go like that. <laughs> yeah, the first game was 17 to 13 Yankees. And then the second Good game was 12-2-8 yeah, in 2019. So what's that, 40 combined runs? or No, 50 combined runs? Yeah, 50 runs combined. 50 combined runs in, what, two games? In two games, yep. Good lord. It's like a Yankee offense in, like, a week, maybe two. <laughs> I'll say two weeks. Yeah, safe yeah. bet. Especially this season, the Yankees. Especially this season. <laughs> All right, so to wrap it up on the Field of Dreams talk, amazing game, amazing moment. Like, that Tim Anderson, like, there could not have been a better guy on the White Sox to have ended the game. Than Tim understand because that guy pretty much started the whole bat flip conversation because he's the one that really really took it to another level. Obviously not. Obviously it was a thing with Jose Bautista, but now everybody's doing the bat flip because of Tim Anderson for the most because he's the one that really started that discussion of flipping the bat and everything. Yeah, he's definitely been a trailblazer for the for the celebrations and. I love it, man. Especially that one a couple years ago where he just pimped it. I think it was like a regular season game in like April or May and just slams the bat down. It's like he was kind of at the forefront of, of, of showing emotion and, and, you know, pimping home runs without necessarily disrespecting the opponent, you know? Um, so I, I think, like you said, he couldn't have been a better better moment for a better guy. Um, and he's quietly, I feel like, becoming one of the better shortstops of the AL. Like, I, I know... It, that's nothing new to a lot of folks, but I feel like when you think about best shortstops in the AL, guys like Bogarts and uh, and Bichette come to mind. But I mean, TA is definitely holding his own. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. Like he last year, he led the majors in the, in the batting average, I believe. Off the top of my head, I believe he did. And right now, he's up. He's among the top people, if not the top person. He's been a very underrated guy for the longest time, and he doesn't get them as much love as he he deserves. Probably. And especially in the, like in the team he's on too, because you got guys like Eloy, hell MVP Jose Abreu, uh, Luis Robert. Like he's not, he's not the most feared bat in that lineup, but he's he's a damn good bat. Yeah, and he's the one that sets it up for all those guys too. Yeah, because he he's such a great player, dude. Like let me let me look at the bat average right now. So Michael Brantley right now leads the the MLB in bat average, but I believe. Tim Anderson somewhere up there as well, but all right. Anyway, so let's move on to Field of Dreams talk. Let's stay talking about the AL East. The Red Sox are collapsing. Finally. Thank God. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, it, like the Red Sox have kind of just been like 
kicking ass and taking names for the majority of the season. And I'm not going to knock it because I try to not knock other teams' success. But like when we're getting swept by them, series after series after series, it's nice to see like a little change of pace. Yeah, you're not wrong there, man. Their pitching's been faulting a lot. Um, lately, Martin Perez got moved to the bullpen. Um, I believe Uvalde's been a little not as light as, as he was before All-Star game. And yeah, and they're they're just not like they're still scoring runs, but not to the amount that they were earlier in the season. Yeah, they did get Chris Sale back. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Chris Sale did come back this past Saturday, I think it was, and he went five innings, eight strikeouts against the Orioles. And pretty good. Good. Go ahead. Oh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. good. Okay, yeah. But to be fair, it's the Orioles. (laughs) Fair enough. We we were just discussing before we started recording. uh, The Orioles, I believe, what did I say, 39 and 79? Is that right? I think it was 38 and 79. 38 and 79. Holy cow. 12-game lose streak. Gotta love it. So, yeah, you know what? The the Chris Sale starts encouraging, but you know let's play against a real major league team first before we get too excited. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him come back and see the Yankees. Not gonna lie. Uh, I I would prefer if he didn't. Maybe <laughs> just, uh, Baltimore get him, and like we'll get like Nick Pavetta. That's kind of more my speed, but yeah. But grant, we have granted we have Gary now, so Gary can hit Chris. And, and we are loaded with right-handers, so yeah, it's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Because he no longer have David Price to beat up on. I know he went out to LA and now he's like a reliever. Is he still? He's still a reliever, right? No, he's back in rotation now because of all the injuries oh. and the well, injuries and you know uh, Trevor Bauer. Really? Yeah, he's oh. been in the rotation for a little bit. How's he doing? I think he's been pretty effective. He's pitched tonight, actually. No way! What? Pittsburgh. Yeah, against Pittsburgh. What? what pile of sand has my head been in? <laughs> Last seven games, six games started, 27 and third innings, um, 19 strikeouts, 11 runs, 23 hits. So he has a 3.60 array in his last seven games. Six of them are starts. So Dude, he's, that's he's terrible. Not, so he's not the same price as old. He's not striking out as many people, but in, you know that comes with age. You're not going to strike out as much people. A 35-year-old lefty going out and dealing for you like that? I'll take that any day of the week. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's not like the typical price numbers. No, no, I think those days are uh, are long behind him. Man, I can't believe he's 35 already. Jeez. Yeah, how old does that make us? Don't answer that, but. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching him in the game two of the ALCS against the Red Sox in 2008. Yeah, and that's, I mean, dude, okay. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to anyways. Elijah, that was 13 years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, hold on. I'm going to go puke real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> no. But, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I remember he was just such, like, a staple in the Rays rotation for the longest time. Uh, and, like, it's weird, like, seeing him in other uniforms. Even today, I still, like, envision him as a Ray over, you know, over a, a Tiger or a Red Sox. Uh, to me, he's always going to be a Ray. Blue Jay. Yeah, does he go what, – what cap do you think – well, first of all – do you think he's a Hall of Fame worthy pitcher? And where does what hat does he wear going into the Hall of Fame? Looking at his numbers, he's Hall of pretty good. Not, I don't think he makes very good either because those seasons in in Boston really ruined him. True. 
But he's got a cup. He's got one Cy Young or two. He has two. Okay, so two Cy Youngs, World Series, uh, and he pitched well in that postseason. So I mean, it's not like the the postseason monkey is kind of off his back. Oh, I don't mind. know. He has one. He has one. Okay, so just one Cy Young. Yeah, twenty twelve. Because I know hmm. he, he, I think he barely missed out on another one though. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. What's the uh, career ERA? 3.32, but he barely has over 2,000 strikeouts, though. So that's kind of uh, Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, do you think... Uh, well, here, we'll talk on somebody who else is probably in that potential hall of, you know, pretty good versus Hall of Fame. Uh, Mr. I think he just got his 2,000th hit, right? Joey Votto? Paul, very good. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Just, this... He just had too many mediocre seasons between now and when he first broke out. I can't knock it. I cannot knock it. Because after he got that big big extension from them, for that seven-year extension, I think it was, he his numbers started declining a little bit. And then now he's just, like, reunited everything. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, you – like. I almost put him. I know Miggy started playing before him, but I kind of put him and Miggy in a similar, like these guys are like the veterans that are still around from like the mid to to late two thousands, right? Two thousands, yeah, two thousands. Yeah. Um, Miggy was two thousand three. Watto two thousand seven, which I'm looking at right now. Okay, so yeah, and so I mean these guys have been around for a while. Watto has kind of been a staple in Cincinnati, so I would think he's probably like a Reds Hall of Famer. But I agree with you; he's probably not. Quite a uh, MLB Hall of Famer. Yeah, especially as first baseman, he all three hundred twenty homers, three hundred twenty one homers is not going to cut it as first baseman and Hall of Fame. No, you don't really see that low numbers for like that amount of home runs for first baseman in the Hall of Fame because first base, third base, corner outf- outfield positions are pretty much where you're going to see most of the home runs. Like those, those are the big power hitters. Uh, Frank Thomas over five hundred career home runs. Granted, he was more of a DH for James' career, or actually mainly his entire career, but he was still technically first baseman. Um, but yeah, you don't really see people at first base with 300, 300 or so home runs. And, you know, Fred McGriff right now, who'd be a good comparison, somewhat of a good comparison, he's on all fame, and he has 441 career homers as first baseman. Wow. Okay, so yeah, yeah 320 is probably not going to cut it. Yeah, for sure not. Well, what's now, as a player, go ahead. Oh, no, oh, Miggy's close to 500. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Miggy's definitely going to go. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I'm looking at Fred McGrath. He actually has 493 home runs with 2,490 hits. So possibly if Joey Votto can somehow hang on for another three or four years to where he can reach 2,500 hits, maybe. But I don't see that happening. He's already 37 years old. Ah. If the National League can get a DH, though, which they probably will next year, then I could possibly see his career setting because he's a huge clubhouse guy. He's a huge clubhouse leader. He, that, as a person, he's definitely a Hall of Fame person. You yeah, he seems see, like a cool dude. Like he's always constantly engaging with the young fans, giving them his gloves, baseball bats, um, well, baseball gloves, bats, and like signed signed autographs and everything. He's just always he's really good at the children in Cincinnati and even on the road. Like, I love just, too. He's he's got some like attitude to him, you know. Like 
he'll uh, he's got no problem getting thrown out of a game or like no problem talking to an umpire. Like there's a lot of moments of him just getting after it like that. And I just I don't know. I like guys who show a little personality on both sides. Kind of like you touched on one side with the fans being this you know super kind, awesome guy, and the other side where he's you know inches away from an un- umpire's face, just screaming at him. Let's move on, man. I'm going to miss him. Go. Cincinnati Goat. Cincinnati's been on tear, dude. Oh, they're only like, what, a game out of the wild card? Yeah, man. Especially because of the, you know, your rookie of the year pick, man. Yes. My rookie of the year, Jonathan India. Former Florida Gator. Said it, what was it, the first episode, second episode of this podcast. He is winning rookie of the year. Did I, did I believe myself? Partially, I'll be honest. With you, I wasn't fully bought in, but uh, yeah, he's hitting 283, 16 bombs, 55 ribbies, leadoff hitter for the Cincinnati Reds in his first full season. Uh, do you think he stays at second base, or do you see him transitioning to a different infield spot? Because he, he played third at Florida, and now is over at second. I think he came up like when he got like when he was getting scout recruited for Florida. I think he was originally a shortstop. So, do you think he stays at second base, or does he move uh, around the diamond? I'll probably say he stays at second base, because at third base, they have Johanero Soros. I cannot say the name. Yohano oh, Eugenio? Eugenio, that's Soros at third base. So, possibly... Who they, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like who, who's... like I know they've kind of been moving Soros to short when they have Moustakis at third i believe or even kyle farmer yeah. i think is another option they have at shortstop um but i don't know i i feel like he's a he reminds me i guess of he can play anywhere that's what i'm saying and so it's like i feel like i'd want to utilize him like this i feel like you can put it like you can put Mustakis at second base and put india at shortstop i think i don't think Mustakis is really a second baseman though I, didn't, think, I thought I he think, played with the. Uh... Oh no no no! Like no, he's definitely played. He's he's played second base. I just don't okay. see him as like a fit for second base. You know, like I see him more of a third baseman rather than a second baseman. Yeah, you're not wrong. So I think India would be better at second base. Plus, you know, Mustakas, I believe he has a better arm than India. I don't remember yeah. his arm. It's been a while since I last saw him play. I was about to say I don't think the bombs. I I know he makes some good plays up the middle, but um, yeah, I think he's just been a really well-rounded player. It's it's really for us. I I think we've kind of been like he's always been this level of a player. We just seen it at like a different level of competition, right? So we saw him kind of doing similar things. Oh yeah, granted, probably better numbers, but like at Florida, but still, just I mean, he's he's a he's a grinder. He's a bulldog out there, and he's. Uh, he's got the flow now, which we didn't see at Florida. So, does Florida have a rule about having long hair? I think so. I think that's why you had to cut it. Okay. I was thinking. I was like, I don't think I ever saw you with that long of hair. <laughs> yeah, no, he got some big league lettuce. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, I think India is probably my favorite Gator to watch play baseball. I mean, like a hitter wise, pitching wise. You know, we were had so much talent. Alex Singer, Coar. Yeah, Singer, Kowar, Alex Vallejo, Logan Shore, mm-hmm. AJ Puck. Um, Anthony DiSclefani? Didn't know that, but yeah, that's a, that's a well, Gator. I didn't, I didn't watch him earlier, though. Neither did I, but I, <laughs> he's a Gator. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
trying to think of who else. All right, anyway. And the Cubs have lost 12 straight. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's believable, but unbelievable at the same time. Well, let me go ahead and just do like a little verbal thank you note to Cubs fans for Anthony Rizzo. Really appreciate the Italian stallion. He's uh, he's picked up the name Sex Panther amongst Yankee fans. <laughs> Don't know where that came from, but I, I like it. I like it. I, I was shocked at that trade. Like, I did not see that coming out. out like, nowhere, nobody was talking about possible the possibility of Rizzo going to New York because, you know, we had Luke Voigt. And people assumed that we are going to flip Voigt for somebody else. But I thought Gallo was going to be our first baseman, if anything. I didn't see him being the outfielder. Yeah, I 100% agree. And he's thankfully, I guess, been an outfielder because I, I don't remember what game it was, but he had a real good outfield assist uh, that pinned the guy out at home. I'm trying to think. Oh man, I'm a, I I couldn't even. Yeah, I have no idea. But <laughs> defensively, defensively, he's been tremendous. Um, and back to Rizzo, man. Just the when he got there and just went on that, uh, I call it a tear because it was man. He was hitting bombs left and oh, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then he goes in the COVID IL list, misses the Field of Dreams game, unfortunately. But when does he come back? It's pretty pretty soon, right? I would think he, I knew he's back to the team already. Oh, he is. Okay, good. Yeah, I think he came. He showed up yesterday. He, sh- I would assume he's coming back tomorrow. Oh, okay. here he is. Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, so today the Yankees won the first game of the doubleheader against the Red Sox. Let's go. Which is always nice. Yep. And that'll win the second one. Rizzo possibly as soon as Wednesday. We could use his bat tomorrow because Andrew Heaney's pitching for for the Yankees. Yeah. Listen, bro, we could score. We can score ten runs tomorrow, and since Heaney's pitching, we'll probably lose eleven to ten. Yeah, especially since there's a doubleheader today, and they're going to lose a lot of their pitchers. Definitely tomorrow, it's going to be they're, Heaney's going to be le- um, left out there to dry. <laughs> yeah, so let's go ahead and win tonight, so we don't have to win tomorrow. How does that yeah. sound? Yeah, and then the Wise guy's already pitched too. He pitched a lot today too, so he's not going to be available tomorrow either. Oh, sick! Love that. <laughs> Love that for us. And then Zach Brent's not. Britain anymore. Britain, I can't believe he asked to be taken out of the closers role. Like I, I admit him knowing himself and like having like a, yeah, a real him. objective view on it. But man, we need you. Like we need a. When does Chapman come back? I and I can't even. I don't even know when he comes back. What he's gonna be? But I want to say next week. Okay. So I mean. I don't know, man. This whole season, like, the bullpen used to be a strength of the Yankees. You had guys like Batanzas, Miller, and Chapman that was just lights out from, like, the seventh inning on. And it seems like now, once this, like, the starters are going to get you a couple innings, I guess, and it's like, okay, depending on that, what's going to show us, like, how realistic we have a chance to win this game. But, like, with this team, I don't feel comfortable with a three-run lead on most teams when we go to the bullpen. When does the wise go? Comfortable. Anybody else? Heck no. <laughs> Not even Chad Green has been like pretty consistent. The but... only issue with Green is like they're putting him in games where every player is dead set on hitting a fastball. So he throws yeah. his curve, curve, curve to the point where you know they're they're expecting a curve. So if he throws another curve, then it's gone. <laughs> we saw that this... with Abreu, I think it was on Sunday. I want to say. Well, and this is why, like, you look at like a trade when we traded away Luis Sessa, and it's like, well, that was a bullpen arm who's actually doing really well for you guys. So why do we have to get rid of him? Well, that was just clear payroll 
space. I know, but you couldn't find somebody else to clear besides Luis Sessa. Like, find someone who's not doing as good. Well, they wanted to. The reason they they probably attached Sessa with Wilson to get rid of Wilson's salary and his ability not to get anybody out. Uh, So yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So I think I think I think they had to attach somebody that's worthy to in order to get rid of Wilson because Wilson. You pretty much would eat salary if you didn't want him on the team anymore. So you gave up two 40-minute roster spots for the price of no roster spots, actually, because it, the, the guys that got back was a player to be named later. And cash. Yeah, good point. Good point. Which is what What do you up. think? Go ahead. Do you think Debbie comes back up this season? I haven't heard much about him recently. Devi, he's been struggling so bad in the AAA, man. It's tough, man. Really? Yeah, all I see whenever I'm like scrolling through Twitter about with people wondering like, like, because I follow I follow some of the AAA guys from from um that like news coverage people, not news coverage, B B T, whatever you want to call it, but anyway, B writer, <laughs> that's it. Okay. Yeah, so it's never really that good at all. Really. It sucks. Yeah, he's not pitching well at all. I think the fact that they chose Domingo over him and whatnot, and like other players. He probably just—he probably is trying to do too hard, too much to get called up again. Yeah, they, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, what they did to him in the playoffs was just complete BS, man. Like, hey, how about that NL East? Oh, the NL East. Oh man, Teaming they, up. The Braves finally got above above 500, and the Phillies. Bryce Harper's on the tear for the Phillies right now. Like, yeah, absolute he, tear. He is making a late run at a potential NL MVP consideration, and I have no problem with it. Same here, man. I don't think I, I don't think Bryce Harper was ever in discussion to become an NL, NL MVP for this season. Everybody was either Juan Soto or Acuna or even DeGrom. And for the longest time, and then Austin Harper comes out of nowhere. Granted, Acuna is on the aisle. Soto has been the Soto old, and DeGrom is also on the aisle. But yeah, dude, no, nobody probably ever saw this hotness coming from Harper, like his his production stuff. Is it fair to say now? I know he always had this title of overrated, like to him. I, I kind of want to reverse that. I, I almost think like he's underrated now as a player. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's definitely is underrated right now. I think he was. I think he was overhyped for the most part. I wouldn't say he's overrated. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, I'll just make sure. Yeah. Yeah, like the potential that was coming with Bryce Harper is like you're getting the next Hall of like first ballot Hall of Famer, and and for the most part he kind of delivered with that. Um, he wasn't. I think the only issue is that when he came up around the same time as Trout, it, you see how good Trout is, and so you're like that's kind of who he's been compared to the right. most. And unfortunately for Bryce Harper, Mike Trout basically plays on another planet for how good he is. So. Yeah, but now that he's kind of like out of the spotlight that he's had with the team that drafted him and kind of with this Philly team, he had a kind of a like he still put had those big moments for him. Like I think he had like a walk off grand slam against the Cubs uh, in nineteen. But it seems like now it hasn't been much chatter about him. And then all of a sudden he goes on this hot streak. The Phillies get hot, and he's kind of the one behind it. Yeah, and the their pitching's getting a lot better. Zach Wheeler's now probably the, like the top runner for Cy Young now that the Groms hurt, and yeah, the Phillies are just going on. They're just 
exceed like they're not exceeding expectations, but they're actually finally there, right there, right right now. Does, does that make sense? Like they're, yeah, they're finally, playing potential. Yeah, they're playing to their potential. They had some good deadline accusation and Archer Bradley and Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson. Gibson's been faltering a little bit, but you know he's on a new team, so it's gonna take a little bit for him to get get to his old place, to his old self. Now, who do you think, when it's all said and done, October first or second or third, whenever the season ends, who's sitting up top the NL East? Not the Mets. I can say that. I can definitely. Thank God. I can definitely say the Mets are not. They're just like Bias going to the aisle and Lindor being on the aisle, and they're just not scoring runs. They're below 500 for the first time since May 8th. Just too much stuff is going wrong for them. You know, the Grom is still hurt, and now that the now we're seeing that the Mets are the same old Mets from the previous ownership in terms of like the bad juju, 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 whatever you call that, juju. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you see that rolling over to this Mets ownership right now, and yeah, I just don't see them recovering from this collapse right here. Maybe next season, yeah, but this season I think it's pretty much they're done. And they've yeah, also dealt I, with a lot of injuries too. You got to think about that too. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you. Where it's like I feel like uh, I feel like this is the end for all the Metropolitans. And good for Girardi, dude. You could tell like at moments he was really really frustrated about how the Phillies were performing, and then all of a sudden now they're finally playing up to their potential. And, and he's a good manager. He is a great manager. Yeah, I like him back. <laughs> I, you know what? He's a better manager that, than, than Boone, but I think they did need to move on from Girardi, but Boone was not the answer. Well, and Boone seemed like he'd be a good answer, but it almost seems like now he's sort of this puppet for the front office as opposed to, like, having his own, like, his own feel for the game. Yeah, you Girardi, Girardi definitely had, like, a good mixture of both. It's, yes. Obviously, at some points, he really, like, he did not do what he should have done as a manager, but... I feel Girardi really was more in tune with, like, I feel like, oh, like the front office trusted Girardi's gut more than it trusts Boone's gut. I agree. I think Boone sort of like, I don't want to say looks to the office for answers, but I, I just kind of like you said, Ben, it's just more of a feel for Girardi than he's got that. They trust his gut as opposed to, like you said, with Boone. I just don't know that it's there. Yeah, and to be fair to Boone, he went out from the broadcast booth onto the field. He wasn't even a coach first or anything like that. Whereas Girardi, he was manager with the Marlins in 06, was a coach. Also did broadcasting with the Yes Network. So he still had familiarity with the Yankees. And obviously he played for the Yankees too. So I guess that could be an issue with the front office probably. They just trust that he's got more because of the fact that he's had so much more experience than Boone has. Yeah. All right. The Giants are still, still there. They Dude, go ahead. Well, it's just it's crazy how like it seems like well like I don't know for you, but at least it feels like for me, I'm waiting for them to fall off. Like when does the fun stop and the the real Giants team show up? Because on paper they're not the best team in their state, let alone that division. And so it's like it's crazy seeing how consistent and how dominant they have been. Um, in a, an extremely tough division, right? I mean, you're talking about a division with Tatis, uh, Scherzer now, Trey Turner. I mean, like, that's a division loaded with talent, and they are just by far and the way the best team. Yeah, I've definitely been waiting for him to falter. 
for the longest time. <laughs> but then, you know, they got Chris... When they picked up Chris Bryant, I was like... I was like, how the heck did they get Chris Bryant? Like, you, without giving up Joey Bart. Right. Like, I was, no I, ma- go ahead. Well, I guess they figured they wouldn't give up Bart for Reynolds. But I think Chris Bryant's a really good fit there in San Fran. Oh yeah, definitely. He's from the West Coast. He went to, he has a house in Nevada. He grew up in Nevada, I think it was. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely is a perfect fit for the West Coast, especially the Giants. I feel, and he's a perfect, perfect person for that lineup. He's versatile. We've seen him in play. We've already seen him play left field, right field, third base already for the Giants, which is a huge need for them, especially depending on like the um, different matchups against pitchers and whatnot so they can just move him around and plug him in anywhere really so well and also too he's got some great postseason experience in his time with the cubs oh that's true so you, you know as a guy who's played in october and, and that's where they're heading so uh yeah no, i'm happy for the giants hope they can see it through keep the division and under wraps i just hope this isn't one and done for the giants because i'm not sure how they're going to fare next year because i just feel like there's too many guys that are having career years right now that I'm not sure if they're sustainable for next year. No, I agree with that. Cause like, I mean, you look at guys like Brandon Crawford and like prior to the season, it was kind of like, okay, well, when is he retiring? And now he just got an extension. Yeah. Two year, um, 32 million co- uh, extension right now. Yeah, man. So it's like, and same thing with Posey, Buster Posey takes off an entire year and you're kind of hoping like, okay, we get something out of him and he comes back and he's having a great season. So, I think if they're going to want to make this something that is just more than like a one-year fling, they're going to have to bring back Chris Bryant. But that's going to cost some money. Which they do have. They do. They definitely have the money. And I think Johnny Cueto comes off the books after this season, so they're going to have even more money. Hey, but Cueto hasn't even been bad either. Yeah, he's been bad. At, yeah, you're right. He hasn't been bad either. So they probably bring him back on like a like less one AAV. Deal. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And he's also going to be that um, veteran guy that's going to lead your staff because he's pretty much the veteran of that pitching staff right now. He's been the longest tenured starting pitcher, starting giant pitcher. Yeah, I and I that. mean, like Alex Wood, I imagine is Alex Wood's back on a multi-year deal, right? I think it's just a one-year deal. No oh, one-year deal. Okay, so then you got to bring him back. Then Scalfani's have is yeah, I imagine he's having a good year. He's on the Giants. Oh yeah, he's having a good year, but like like I said, he's just having a career year to the point where I'm not sure if, if they can count on it for, again for next season unless they pull some sort of Astros thing and then all of a sudden they're good for the rest of their career. Yeah, right. Out of nowhere. Crack the code. <laughs> yeah, this, it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting watching the Dodgers not win, what would that been, their 10th straight division title? Yeah, I think so. Holy cow. Actually... No, because oh no, you're right. Because I think the 2016 they got it as a wild card. No, it was 2012, 2010, 2012, 2014. I yeah, yeah, they were they were they were all wild cards. I think every time. Yeah, the Giants. Yep, Giants were wild card in 2014. And then do they play in 12? 2012, they were the division winner. What's that? Did you ask who they played in the World Series in 2012? They played the Detroit Tigers. I think that was 2010. Yeah, 2012. No, 2010 was, was Texas. 
yeah. 10 was Texas, 12 was Tigers, because uh, oh, Sandoval had three home runs in game Oh, one. yeah, you're right, you're right, against Justin Verlander. And then 14, yeah, was, yeah, 14 yeah. was Kansas City. Yep. Okay. I felt, yeah, 14 what, what was you, What did you uh, ask earlier, though? <laughs> I, I can, dude, listen, I can't say what I asked 15 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. All right, let's see. Sorry, my computer wants to update, but I don't want to. Oh, nice. Nice little timely update. I love how like, those never those things never come at like <laughs> convenient times where you're not doing it, like you're not smack in the middle of something. Alright. I just said it to restart at eight o'clock, so Nice. <laughs> Alright. Is that everything on the docket so far for today? I think so. Uh, it sounds like your computer's ready to roll, so Alrighty. So that's gonna be episode seventeen of the Inside Here Podcast. My name's Elijah, and that is Son, hello. No, I was I was saying, and that is son, but you're supposed to say. Oh, oh, my yeah. bad. I, <laughs> I thought you said like that is the end of the episode. Okay, okay, my bad. <laughs> okay, now it's the end of the episode. So thank you for listening. Whether it's good morning, good afternoon, or good night, whenever you're listening, thank thank you for listening.